Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the She Built This podcast. I want to start out today's episode by telling you my funny not so funny story. Uh, It is finally starting to feel a little bit humorous, which is like the last thing that I could say last week and also the week before. So now I, I welcome you to laugh along with me as I laugh at myself for this little tale. Like you, I have walked up and down lots of stairs in my lifetime. I looked up a stat on this, and it said that the average adult in their lifetime climbs between 500,000 and 3.5 million flights of stairs. Now, when I went to the gym, when I used to go to the gym, the Stairmaster was definitely like my favorite fitness apparatus of choice. And in college, I would climb this monument in the park like over and over and over again just for fun and for exercise. And I'm very forgetful. Like I often go up the stairs or down the stairs and then like forget why I went upstairs or came downstairs. So then I have to, you know, go back up or down and then do it all over again. So I'm going to guess that I'm probably on the higher end of that. Like I am going to end up in my lifetime probably climbing around three and a half million flights of stairs. Plus, I tend to take the stairs over the elevator. I'm also a pro at navigating the stairs in the dark when I need a drink of water in the middle of the night with a load of laundry under my arm while downloading a podcast, inserting a laughy emoji at something someone said on Instagram while my dog is going by me at top speed to make sure he gets to the bottom first. Sometimes all of these things are happening all at once and I'm still able to walk down the stairs with no problem. I love like one of my favorite things is to run down the stairs a full speed and then do a flying leap over the gate that we have at the bottom and stick the landing like it's a gymnastics floor routine because it makes my husband <laughs> reprimand me and I find it funny. But on Wednesday, March 16th, I was just walking down the stairs like a normal human being for once. Um, I was really excited to be moving from my office down to like the white couch in our living room because I just, it's just like my zone for creativity. And I had like 7 million Zoom calls going on that day. So I'm like, I just was like, yes, I'm ready for a sunny reprieve. I fell and I got my you know what handed to me. So after I fell for a minute, I just waited. I was like really stunned and I wasn't sure what happened or like what would happen next. I didn't know if I was breathing. Well, when I finally stood up, the pain was like nothing I have ever experienced before in my tailbone. The only other time I fallen on my tailbone was in high school when some jerk pulled a chair out from underneath me in computer class. But I think that like when you're a kid, you just kind of bounce back from things like that. And also my pride and embarrassment was probably acting as a great pain reliever in that scenario. So I didn't feel anything. But this time it was not like that. It was excruciating pain. So I was home by myself 
And what did I do? This is what I did in in order. (laughs) First, I had to pet the dog because he was like crowding me while I was laying on the floor on my stomach. Um, Then I called my husband and I told him what happened and asked him like what I should do. And then I tried to have a cry, but actually that hurt way too badly. So I had to stop crying, Um, canceled my next Zoom meeting. And then, of course, I went to Dr. Google. Dr. Google told me that this happens to a lot of people. It told me that I could go to a doctor, but like even if it's broken, the doctor doesn't really do anything except just give you a longer estimated time of healing. And I was not sure that I wanted to subject myself to that kind of news. And Google also told me to ice it, rest it, get an inflatable donut to sit on. Basically, don't ever sit, uh, stand and keep on moving lightly. So later, you know, like when when things had settled down a little bit, I wanted to dive in and get more specific. Like, you know, how do you sit on the toilet without being in agony when you hurt your tailbone? And should I power walk with an injured tailbone? Just kidding. I didn't actually consider that. Um, But, you know, after that, I had to kind of scroll down a little bit further on Google. But on day one, lying on my stomach on the hardwood floor in my living room, looking for answers, desperately seeking answers. I stuck to just like whatever popped up first on Google as the end all be all to solving my problem. All right, to rest you assured, I didn't mean to take you down that scary road with me. Uh, Don't worry, I'm like kind of half sitting on my chair today. It is Sunday, March 27th as I'm recording this and I'm doing a lot better. Um, I was very worried it was gonna ruin my upcoming travel plans to Charlotte to see my mom, dad, and little brother and that I was gonna have to reschedule the trip and then it would cost a fortune because gas is like the same price as a latte at Starbucks right now and I can only imagine filling an entire airplane fuel tank with Starbucks lattes. Anyway, I decided I'm I'm doing a lot better and me and my inflatable donut are going to hop on board that plane come hell or aching tailbone on Friday. So here are the main lessons that I learned through this experiment that I've been like excited, I guess, excited to share with you. First of all, um, it made me really appreciate the small things like sitting wherever I want in the house, like in that cozy, sunny spot on my white couch, uh, going to the bathroom without a life hack, not getting into that now, but not walking around with ice packs on my butt. Uh, And though pro tip, if this ever happens to you, the frozen eye mask things, they are like excellent ice packs, very malleable. Um, Anyway, it also made me really like miss things that I don't even typically like. For example, my rowing machine. I had this amazing streak going on that thing and I had it as a goal to row every single day in March. I missed one day when I went to Maine last weekend to see my family But uh, yeah, that's completely off the table since March 16th. The other lesson was that sometimes, even when we are going slow and we are being careful, things still happen. Life happens. And this has just been an interesting experience in adapting. Even when it comes to like my creativity, I've had to adapt a little bit in the way that I'm working because... I had my routines of when I would sit and when I would stand and where I would sit and where I would stand and like what that meant productivity and and creativity wise. Um, But fortunately, I do have a really good, because I had that good routine, because I have really good practices, um, 
it's it's helped me to make it easier to to adapt because like honestly right now I don't sit that often during the day I can't the the inflatable donut is still not very very comfortable um so I've had to kind of like wrangle my energy in different ways but having those pr- practices and routines that I know work for me and that I know can like spark that when I need it has made it much easier Okay, and lesson number three relates to today's episode. So this all got me thinking about how our clients and our customers often find us and come to us. You know, they're lying there face down in pain. They have no idea where to turn and what to do. Uh, They just want to get out of pain and solve their problem. So my question is, are you the one that comes up as the obvious answer? Are you positioning yourself in a way that people know that you are the answer to those problems that they're facing? And we are going to get into that today with our guest, Um, but some super speedy housekeeping before I leave on a jet plane to go to Charlotte and leave you to enjoy today's fantastic interview here. I just wanted to say that in case you, this is your first time listening, Uh, My name is Emily Aborn, and I'm a content writer as well as the owner and founder of She Built This, which is a it's a piece of this podcast puzzle or pie, however you want to slice it. It's really a community of positive women entrepreneurs who are driven to personal and professional growth. And so if you if that sounds fascinating to you, and you kind of want to dip your toes in and see what that supportive community looks like, I'm going to give you a few opportunities to do just that as I'm going to share some of what we have happening in April in next week's episode. That'll be Wednesday, April six. But in the meantime, You can check out our events calendar at shebuiltthis.org and also just learn more about what we have going on in there. And I did promise the housekeeping would be super speedy, so that was it. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to my guest, Danielle Gagnon of Elevate Virtual Marketing and the Content Cash Machine Podcast. I met Danielle through the She Built This group as well, and I was just going back through our old chat messages via Facebook Messenger, and it was 2020 when we first connected, and she had me on her podcast when she first started it. Um, I love talking to fellow content writers and copywriters, and Danielle and I definitely have a lot in common. We both started our current businesses in 2018. We both had neighborhood detective agencies when we were kids. We both love reading and spending time outside and we both love all things content creation. And we both know how to use Google to get our clients the results that they're looking for. Danielle knows how to use Google even beyond just Dr. Google. She's really, really honed in on how to help you get results for your business and make you more cash while you're sleeping through your website. And that's what today's chat is all is going to be all about in our last episode of the Cleanup Aisle 5 series, uh, Spring Cleaning. We are going to be talking about what SEO is and how it's can be used as a really powerful marketing tool for your business. We're going to talk about really how to start improving the SEO on your websites right away, where to come up with ideas for blog topics that your audience will actually want to read and will help to drive that traffic to your site. And what I love about this is Danielle gives some really tangible, easy, practical steps we can literally start implementing today. Um, I also wanted to invite everyone to join me. I'm going to be doing her um, content cash machine SEO bootcamp and it's $47. The link is in the show notes. 
I think we could all really benefit from this. I want to use it to help my clients. Um, I, I put a lot of SEO into their website copy and the blogs that we write, and I just want to really learn how to enhance that skill. So if after you're done listening to this episode, you're like, yes, Emily, I'm in. Let's do this together. Just send me a message and I'll know that we're, we're, we're studying alongside each other. So Danielle helps female entrepreneurs grow their business organically and massively through SEO and content marketing. She's the creator of the Content Cash Machine Bootcamp, a five-day mini course that teaches small business owners highly actionable SEO basics. Her podcast, The Content Cash Machine Podcast, is an extension of her one-to-one client work, connecting her audience with the best experts and top tips to level up their marketing and use their content to grow their audience, get more leads, and make more money, which we all want to do. Danielle, is a mom of two young kids and is married to her high school sweetheart. She's passionate about reading, spending time outdoors, and learning new things. Hi, Danielle, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm. Uh, this is such a great conversation where I think people are going to get so much value in something that they often don't even consider or think about. Um, But first, we need to discuss that we have both had neighborhood detective agencies (laughs) when we were children. (laughs) Yes. I, like a lot of uh, young women of my generation, I think was obsessed with Mary-Kate and Ashley when they did those detective videos. Um, And that that was what inspired my detective agency. But yeah, I solved a lot of really important cases. The case of the missing hairbrush was my best known one for sure. Mine were similar cases. Like, where did this gum wrapper come from? Um, but I think I got my inspiration from Nancy Drew. She Ooh. was she was pretty badass, honestly. I, I did love Nancy Drew as well. And I still I still love true crime, so it has not left me. There you go. Um, um, okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your – I know you like to start your podcast in the same way where guests share about their entrepreneurial story and sort of what that um, evolution process has looked like like for you? Yeah. So looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Looking back, I think I always sort of had that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, even as a kid, I was always coming up with random business ideas or ways to make money. Um, and as much as I enjoyed that and really felt that in my younger years, it, it honestly didn't seem like a viable career path to me. It wasn't, I didn't have anyone in my life who was an entrepreneur, no one close to me um, who was, you know, running their own business. And it was honestly not something I ever considered. Um, And so I, you know, I did what you're quote unquote supposed to do. I went to college, I got a bachelor's degree, I got a job, I was working um, in journalism first. That's what I studied in school. And after a few years of being a local newspaper reporter here in New Hampshire, I realized I totally hated it. Um, And so I was looking for ways that I could keep writing, keep using those communication skills that I had, that I enjoyed. Um, And that's how I sort of fell into marketing. And so I did that um, for probably seven or eight years before I had my oldest son. Um, And at that point, I just hated 
being away from him so much. So his whole first year, I kept thinking like, I'll get used to this at some point. I will eventually stop dreading work every day and it will just become normal. Um, but it never really did. And so um, back in 2018, I had found this course that was all about freelancing and how to start a freelancing business. And I'm a person who I like some direction. I wasn't ready to just jump into something without some guidance. So I took this course. I started my business on the side um, and did that for about seven or eight months while working my nine to five marketing job. And then one day my boss, I like telling the story because I I wasn't planning on quitting my job, Um, but my boss called me into his office and talked to me about how he wanted to make me like vice president of marketing someday and how I have this huge future at the company. And I just said, actually, I'm going to give you my notice. (laughs) And um, I and I did. And so (laughs) I left that job and I've been full time uh, in my business ever since. It's just over three years at this point. My goodness. Good for you. And it's so funny how I think a lot of people that write or uh, do marketing or copywriting, it, it, the common thread that I often hear is that people fell into it. It's like we mm-hmm. didn't even know we were building that skill until suddenly we realized we had it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. And I also love that you bring up that there weren't a lot of people being like, yeah, go start your own business. And Mm -hmm. this is how to do it. Like my grandfather had his own business and he specifically told me never become a business owner. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, do not do it. Um, so I think that's really cool that like, even without somebody else blazing that trail or encouraging you that that's the path you should be taking, that's still the path that you ended up on. Yeah. Yeah. I, looking back, like I said, I realized how much I, I always hated having a boss and every couple of years I would get tired of my job and I would wonder like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I ever want to stay in a job? Why, why am I not enjoying this work that I super enjoyed, you know, a year or two ago? And now I realize like, oh, I just really didn't like having a boss. I don't like someone telling me what to do with like the majority of the hours of my day. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm just so much happier now. Yeah, I think we might be the same person in this. I, I, I've had too many more jobs than I am ages in, in years. It's really sad. Um, okay, so what in your own business do you feel like is kind of the biggest thing that that has happened to you or that you've pulled away from like everything that's gone on from 2020 to 2022? Because mm. 2018 to 2020, you're really kind of in that like building phase. Yeah. And then like right as you're sort of cresting the hill... <laughs> You get that. So how did that sort of like affect your business maybe and maybe personally a little bit too? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, on the personal side, I think just like everyone else, it was sort of, you know, a major life change overnight, sort of. I mean, I was already working from home, but suddenly my husband was also working from home. My two kids were no longer in daycare um, and we had to figure out you know, how are we going to survive, essentially? Um, And my kids were two and uh, eight months old at the time, two and a half and eight months old. Um, So it was it was a lot. Um, But I think, 
you know, on the professional side, I was actually super lucky in that what I do, search engine optimization, was suddenly uh, something that a lot of people were thinking about because suddenly all kinds of businesses that relied on in-person foot traffic, in-person business and sales suddenly only had their online presence to um, help them get business, right? Restaurants were doing all takeout suddenly. Um, Lots of other businesses were trying to do like online ordering and pickup. It was just something that everybody was having to move online. And so Um, there was a ton of interest in search engine optimization from people who maybe had never really thought about it much before. Um, And so professionally, it actually worked out well for me. Um, There was lots of interest in what I did. I was able to um, create my first uh, digital offering, which was just like an SEO mini course that did really well, especially that first year when lots of people were needing to learn that skill. Um, And then in terms of what I learned, I think the biggest thing was having to balance the business, which was suddenly growing at a faster rate than before and having my kids home and not really having help because of, you know, how intensely things were locked down at first, I really was forced to majorly prioritize and to get super, super efficient to, you know, get really good systems in place because I would not have been able to do it without that. So it it forced the organization of my business that I had not really uh, been focusing on until that point. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and so like, it's almost like a blessing in disguise, right? Yeah. Um, Okay, so before we dive into the SEO stuff, uh, just why don't you share what your podcast is and what that's all about, but also like from podcaster to podcaster, I want to know like what you've learned, how, tell me exactly like when you started it and sort of like the things that you're like, oh, I'm so happy to know this now mm-hmm. at, that I'm at this point in my journey. Yeah, so I started the podcast, I officially launched on February 2nd of 2021. So it's just been over a year now um, that I have had the show. And for me, I just, I, the one thing I missed about journalism was talking to interesting people. And so that was really my motivation for starting a podcast. I knew it could be a helpful business tool as well and help me, you know, grow my audience and show my expertise and network with other business owners. But my real motivation was just like, I wanted a reason to to regularly speak with interesting people. Um, And the other stuff is just a bonus. Um, In terms of what I've learned, honestly, the biggest lesson has just been the um, value of outsourcing. I actually outsourced a lot on my podcast right off the bat because Uh, again, it was still, my kids were still home with me full time. We didn't have, we do have a nanny now, thank goodness, but we didn't at the time. Um, And so I knew if I was going to like add something else to my plate, in addition to my client work, in addition to momming that I was going to need help. And so I, I started working with a podcast manager right from the start. And It was such a relief. It makes it so easy to do my show. All I have to think about are the fun parts. And as someone who kind of resisted outsourcing in my business, um, mostly because I have control issues, uh, it was a really, really good lesson to realize, okay, I can outsource something and it will still be great. And there's people I can trust to do work for me. And yeah, it's just been a really important lesson for me. 
Again, I think we're too apart. <laughs> like the reason I started mine is because I used to have this blog called Tuesdays on the Town and I would like go around to all these businesses and like interview them and then mm-hmm. do a blog about their business and then the podcast just became that blog. <laughs> um, but I really want to highlight that outsourcing piece, especially for people listening that are like, I might want to start a podcast and they're kind of trying to figure out what that looks like because I will say as a, I don't know how you would do it if you had children. Like it takes four X times of just us sitting down, having this interview to edit, um, put it out there, put the captions together, like put the graphics together. I mean, the whole process is four times the record time. So if you have an hour long podcast, that's a four hour chunk. It's going to take you to actually like get that into the world. So I think it's important for people to realize that like that is a huge thing off of your plate and yay for you for giving up some of that control. <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing that with my calen- calendar lately. Like I have the Calendly link now mm-hmm. and I'm like, it feels so scary and so good because <laughs> now I'm not like sitting there manually creating Zoom links anymore. Right. I know I'm really late to the game, but I was that scared of giving control of my calendar over. So yeah, I get it. It's hard. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's dive into the topic at hand, SEO. And why don't you like kind of for people who may not be familiar with the term, uh, what it is, and then like why it's such a powerful marketing tool. Absolutely. So I like to describe SEO or search engine optimization as essentially just a way of writing and structuring your website so that it naturally attracts your ideal audience. Um, and that is goes for, you know, e-commerce brands, service-based businesses, bloggers, really basically anyone with a website can benefit from SEO. And the way that I like to sort of illustrate to people how powerful it is, is that no matter what you do, again, whether you sell a product, whether you offer a service, whether you just create content um, and want people to find it, um, there are people out there already who are searching for exactly what it is that you're offering. And SEO is the way that you can find them and the way that you can find them without having to be actively working in your business all the time. So a lot of times when we build websites, we spend a lot of time thinking about the design of them, right? We want our websites to look really professional, to look really pretty, to be in line with our brand. Um, And that's important for sure. But too often we overlook the fact that our websites can actually work for us. They can do more than just sit there and look good. They can actually do some of our marketing work for us um, so that when we are sleeping or want to go on vacation or just are like doing client work instead of marketing work for our business, our websites are still working hard for us behind the scenes. And that is really the, the value of search engine optimization. That is what SEO does. If you can optimize your website so that people, your people, the people who want what you're offering are naturally finding it. That is just like an amazing piece of marketing that's working for you all the time. Yeah, I agree. Marketing while you sleep is the best. Um, So let's kind of talk about like where the starting point is, like how would I even envision speaking to my ideal audience on my website? Yeah. So the very first thing that I always tell people to do is make sure you actually know who your ideal audience is. And when I say know who they are, I mean like super, super know who they are. Um, It's not enough to just say, oh, I'm like trying to reach moms or, oh, I'm trying to reach um, copywriters or whatever it might be. You really need to get super, super clear 
on who these people or this person, this ideal person is. Um, what problems do they have that you can solve for them? What questions do they have related to the product or the service that you're offering? What are they Googling late at night when everything feels terrible? That's what I always say to people. Because, um, you know, your product or your service, it solves a problem for people. It may not be an earth shattering problem or it may not feel that way to you. But every product or service absolutely solves a problem for someone. And if we can get clear on what that problem is and what people might be uh, Googling late at night when they're worried about it, um, that's how we can figure out what content we need to create, what words we need to use on our site so that when they're typing those things into Google, when they're doing research in Google, they have a chance of finding us instead of our competitors. So it really, it really starts with that getting super, super clear on who you're actually trying to reach in the first place. Now, I wonder if you ever get this um, question back at that is like, well, I just want to work with everybody. Like uh -huh. I, I can help everybody. I do. I don't have a niche. Uh, so what do you say to people that, that have that resistance? I say, um, keep thinking. Uh, <laughs> you, I, I totally get it. That was me at the start of my business. And to be totally honest, like I still, I still find myself needing to niche down even a little bit more at this stage. I think it's a process. I don't think you need to know, you know, super specific. Like I work with copywriters who are also moms who live in New Hampshire, who, you know, have two dogs, you, you know, you're not going to know that um, maybe ever, but definitely not at first. So it can be a work in progress for sure. But the reason I um, recommend really getting clear on this is because getting more specific about who you're trying to reach, more specific about what problems they have or what questions they might be researching, that's really where uh, small businesses especially have the best chance of showing up in Google. So let me give you an example. Um, let's say that I, so I just had a baby, uh, well, almost three months ago now, but it feels like it just happened. Um, so I'll use baby related examples. Let's say that I am an e-commerce company and I sell a sleep sack for little babies. Okay. So I know that my ideal audience are probably moms. Um, they are probably moms of newborns or maybe even like pregnant women. Um, I also know that they're probably super tired and sleep deprived and trying to figure out why the heck their babies aren't sleeping. Um, and so they might not actually be searching for my product at all. They might not know that I exist. They might not know that my product exists. But because I know that they are late at night Googling, why won't my baby sleep? Or why does my baby hate the swaddle? I can create content that answers those questions, that serves those needs, and that naturally guides them to my perfect solution. And so when I know that I'm trying to reach moms of newborns who hate being swaddled, like <laughs> that just opens up the opportunities for me to specifically reach those people. Um, and it doesn't matter, again, what you sell or what service you provide, everyone can sort of figure out what their people are searching for and then create that content that's really helpful and valuable to them. You know, I love encouraging people in this, even in their, um, the opt-in that they put on their website too. It's like, they're like, I want to give my, um, client guide as an opt-in. You know, I want to show my clients like five reasons to work with me. I'm like, your clients are not looking for five reasons exactly. to work with you. They're looking for like, you know, five tricks to becoming my best self 
faster or something. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's really about taking a step back and putting ourselves in their shoes. And like, we, we, we want to share about what we do, of course, but the actual way to get them to understand that is to share what they are wanting. Exactly. I think a lot of times as business owners, we put a lot of our focus and our marketing efforts on our solution and we forget to talk about the problem. We forget that our our audience is oftentimes like they're not thinking about the solution because they don't know what it is. They're not searching right. for the solution. They're just searching about their problem. They're researching how to solve their problem. And if all we're doing is talking about the solution, we might not be reaching them. We might be missing them altogether. So let's talk about like some of the practical, tactical stuff. Like when you say SEO, it sounds mm -hmm. like I need to hire, you know, a team of people that are going to rewrite my website. And we, so where does like SEO actually go? Like I would say, oh, I don't understand SEO. I mm -hmm. have no idea where it's supposed to go on my website. <laughs> so it's okay. The best way to describe this. I really think of SEO. Of course, it's a, it is technical. There's technical aspects to it. Um, but I honestly think it's, it's fairly common sense. Um, we, once you figure out who your ideal audience is, what they care about, what they're searching for online, then it's our job as website owners or, you know, bloggers or whatever kind of content creator we are to create content that serves those needs. So for me, when I'm working with a client, this looks like first identifying what I call content gaps. So now that I know what the audience is searching for, looking at your existing content and saying, is my existing content serving those needs? Am I answering their questions? Do I have content about the things that they're searching for? And if not, how can I create that content? Do I need to create a series of blog posts? Do I need like a resources page or a resources section? Do I just need to update my homepage or update my services page? So there's sort of this like overarching piece of SEO determining the actual content that you're going to have on your site. And then on a page by page basis, you are finding specific keywords, specific phrases that people are searching for and incorporating that into the into your content, incorporating those specific phrases into the actual words on the page, using those words as you're writing uh, your website content, and then using them on the back end as well in things like your image, alt text, your meta titles and meta descriptions, which I realize I'm saying these words, it might sound like total nonsense to people who don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but using them in these in these places that Google pays attention to when they're trying to figure out what your web page or your website is all about. Yeah, so I think I think the piece a lot of times when someone is new to SEO or is trying to DIY it, um, or frankly even when they're working with some SEO people, um, they focus on that second part, right? They focus on like, okay, let's just fit some keywords into the existing content, and that is part of it but they miss that beginning step of actually letting the research, letting uh, what people are searching for guide the content all, that they're going to have. They miss that piece. And that's actually what I think is the most valuable piece because you could be using like all the keywords in the world, but if you don't actually have content that serves the needs of your audience, they're still not going to find you. Yeah. So when it comes to content, let's let's kind of shift into blogs a yeah. little bit more than just like website copy. Um, how do you come up with some of those 
those questions that people are asking and then address it through your blog content? Like how do you come up with creative blog ideas? Yes, I love this question. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because so many businesses say, I'm going to start a blog. It's going to help me get more clients. It's going to be great. And then they start writing about like their recent Chamber of Commerce award or they do uh, staff highlights um, or, you know, behind the scenes posts. And there's nothing wrong with that uh, in terms of, you know, content. People who like them already are probably going to enjoy that content. But it will do absolutely nothing for you from an SEO standpoint, because just like you said earlier about nobody searching for the opt-in of like why you should work with me, um, nobody is Googling like New Hampshire Chamber of Commerce Award winning businesses, right? Like no, nobody is trying to find that. It's not going to help you. Um, get more people to your website. Unless unless they're trying to sell something to you. And then they're most definitely looking for that. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Good point. So you don't want that anyway. Um, So what I like to do is I like to, I call it like reverse engineering blog post topics. And what I mean by that is I'm going to let the people, my audience, tell me what I need to be writing about, what information they need from me. And how I do that, there's a few different strategies. Um, One is just through keyword research. I use a keyword research tool called Ubersuggest. Essentially, you can type something in. So for me, I might type in search engine optimization for small businesses or something like that. And it's going to give me a whole bunch of related phrases and topics that people are searching for online. So that can give me some ideas right off the bat of what are people typing into Google related to my business, related to the services that I offer. And that can give me some ideas. I also love to just do an actual Google search. So again, I might just type in SEO or small business SEO or something like that in my case um, and scroll down and you'll almost always in a Google Google result these days find a section called people also ask um, and it's literally just questions if you hit the drop down you'll see an answer um, from the internet but all of these questions are things that people have also asked in Google. They're questions that other people have searched for in Google. And if they're showing up in that people also ask section, it's because they're asked a lot. And questions make great fodder for blog posts because you can just write an answer, right? A really in-depth, valuable, helpful answer. Yeah. Um, But you can get a ton of ideas for blog posts in about 10 seconds from using people also ask sections. That's my favorite way to do it. And then bonus from there, you repurpose all of that into social media posts and you take the Mm -hmm. extra questions that you didn't go into blogs as social media posts. So absolutely. There you go, folks. We just solved all your content (laughs) problems. You're good for the year. (laughs) Funny story about the Google Suggest. I'm not going to tell you what I was originally looking up because it was for a client and it was not appropriate. But what I found was how astronauts poop in space. Fascinating. <laughs> like that's what Google suggested to me that other people are searching. And I'm like, who knew? And I, I learned something very exciting. <laughs> so I highly recommend that. Um, all right. So let's do. So Oh, yeah. So my other question for you is I know you recently started kind of working with Etsy shops. So I'm wondering if um, in Etsy, there's an opportunity for SEO too. And if that's what you're helping sellers with over there. 
Yeah, there is. So I I always say to people that Etsy is just a shoppable search engine. When when you go to Etsy, um, I know I I use Etsy in this way, and I think most people do. Typically, I'm I might scroll like the homepage with the suggestions of things Etsy thinks I like, but I'm normally not like looking through categories and looking you know looking at products that way I'm typically going there with something specific in mind and searching for it um so maybe I'm looking for a mother's day gift or you know toys for my kids or whatever it may be but I have something specific in my head and so I'm just immediately typing that into the search bar and so that is how most people are using Etsy that's how most people are finding products and so If you want to have success as an Etsy seller, you need your products to show up high up in search results um, when people are searching for products like yours. So the best practices for Etsy, Etsy, I almost said Etsio, which I think should be a thing. Ooh, that should be a thing. (laughs) Etsy, SEO, the rules and the best practices are a little bit different um, from Google, but not significantly. At the end of the day, it's, it's the same goal. It's figuring out what your ideal customers are searching for, what makes your products unique, um, what like really specific words could you use to talk about your product so that you are getting in front of the people who want exactly what it is that you're offering. And just to make this even more relatable, I think that it probably applies to um, platforms like Howes and Mm -hmm. platforms like Pinterest too, like being really, really specific in those keywords and not about what you want, Mm -hmm. but about what other people are looking for. So absolutely. And things, you know, if you're a seller on Amazon, obviously Amazon is very search-based as well. Even TikTok is kind of like a search engine. So um, there's so many applications for the foundations of, of SEO. Yeah. All right. So I know that people are going to, these were fantastic, like quick tips. And I know people are going to want more from you and more details. So we'll get into how they can connect with you in a sec. But I have some rapid roundup questions. I like it. Rapid roundup, (laughs) rapid wrap up. I don't know yet. Um, It's still a work in progress. All right. What was the last thing that you Googled? Oh, gosh. Um, The last thing that I Googled was kindergarten registration in Manchester. (laughs) There you go. Did you find what you needed? No. um, I ended up having to ask my sister-in-law. It apparently starts in April. (laughs) All right. What book are you reading right now? Um, So I'm actually in between books. I just finished um, The Lazy Genius, which I highly recommend. That is on my list. I can't wait. It was good. I listened to it and it was the actual author that read it and it was really great. What is your favorite chore and your least favorite chore? I actually love chores. I'm weird. I really like to clean. Um, I think my favorite chore is like cleaning the floors in general, sweeping, mopping, vacuuming. I just, I love those vacuum lines after. Um, (laughs) And my least favorite chore is probably folding laundry. Okay. I got to share my, I love scrubbing the floor. That's my favorite (laughs) chore, but I hate scrubbing the tub. So Mm. it's just a totally different body motion. It is. <laughs> the top is like you're bending over. It's, ugh. Yeah, so hard. Um, okay, what is something that you are looking forward to after this interview? I actually have an interview for my own podcast after this. So I'm looking forward to that and then looking forward to um, some baby snuggles after that. Oh, nice. That's a good <laughs> afternoon. Um, all right. So now why don't you share like n- not just how people can find you, but like sort of what services you would offer that would help them to dig more into their own SEO as well. Yeah. So um, 
for anybody who just wants to like connect with me, the best place to find me is definitely on Instagram. Um, I'm Danielle Gagnon underscore SEO on Instagram. Um, that is where I am most active. You'll find links to my uh, mini course there, uh, which is the Content Cash Machine Bootcamp, um, which is a great way to get you know basic learning about SEO. And then in terms of services, I I do offer you know completely done for you services, but this year I'm actually really trying to focus more on the strategy and teaching side of SEO. I am a very, very passionate about the idea that I think SEO is one of the most valuable business skills that a business owner can have to actually know how to do that yourself um, is so, so valuable. And so I am really leaning into um, strategy and coaching and teaching this year. So if anybody you know wants to learn more about that, um, definitely reach out. Awesome. That sounds amazing. And I agree. You teach Amanda fish mm-hmm. and he will have fish for a lifetime. So thank you so much, Danielle, for taking time and good luck on your uh, interview with your own guest. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.